Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Four Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, and in this episode, my guest is Steve DeMeglio, senior writer with GolfWeek, GolfWeek.com, and USA Today Sports. And he is coming to us live in this podcast from Muirfield Village in Dublin, Ohio, which once again is going to be playing host to the PGA Tour. This week, it's the Memorial, Jack Nicholas's event. And in the podcast you're about to hear, I start up by asking Steve the over-under on milkshakes that he's had, famous milkshakes at Muirfield Village. Um, I also talked with Steve at length about trying to figure out exactly how good Colin Morikawa is because he's really, really good. Beat Justin Thomas in a three-hole playoff. JT, I thought, had him a couple times. But Morikawa slipped through his fingers and gets his second PGA Tour win last week. It was pretty darn impressive. Steve and I also talk about how Justin Thomas is going to bounce back and what we expect him to do this week at Memorial. And Tiger Woods is back, finally. And uh, I asked Steve the impossible question of what do you think you're going to get from Tiger Woods, who has not played a PGA Tour event since the West Coast swing when the world was a hell of a different place. Um, Steve gives me some insights on Tiger Woods and how the golf course this week at Mirfield Village is going to be very, very different from what we saw last week at the Workday Charity Open. Get stronger, hit longer, and end pain with Golf Forever. Created by Justin Leonard and co-author of the Younger Next Year Backbook, Dr. Jeremy James, Golf Forever is the take-anywhere online golf fitness program that helps you build a body prime for golf. It's simple, safe, and it works. At home, in the gym, on the golf course, Golf Forever's easy-to-follow exercises, warm-up routines, and course management videos will help you play your best pain-free. Sign up today at GolfForever.com and use promo code GOLFWEEK for a free 14-day trial. And now, once again, making his return to the 4Press Podcast, I'd like to welcome Steve DiMeglio. Steve is on site, I think, right across the street from Mirfield Village. Steve, welcome back. How are things in Ohio? Hot. Um, we dodged uh, the storms yesterday and uh, got an early finish. Um, and now... It is hot today, and it's going to be hot tomorrow, and it's going to be hot Wednesday. So, uh, and there's very few clouds in the sky, so that golf course is going to get baked. It's one of those things where um, I know that fans who were watching on Sunday were looking in at CBS and wondering, why are we not seeing the live golf? Obviously, they moved, as you alluded to, the tee times up on Sunday. I believe they started like right around seven. The leaders went off sometime between nine and nine thirty. They were done, and it was being streamed on CBS Sports. That's how I watched it from my house in Connecticut. A lot of people didn't get the memo on that. But for golf media guys who are there, is there anything you love more than having the early finish? It's it's the best thing ever. We had a little <laughs> bit of it a couple weeks ago, but it's the best. Well, an early finish without a playoff. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but you also know in the back of your mind, if the storms do come and they come a little earlier, then all yeah. of a sudden, 
you're there from seven in the morning until nine at night, but, um, they stayed away. Um, it was supposed to get a little dicey at about one thirty, which would have been, those guys would have been around 16, 16, 17. Yeah. But, uh, it did not, it blew away. And so it started crackling about, uh, 20 minutes after Colin Morikawa finished off his milkshake and press winners press conference. And then it, uh, the thunderstorms crackled and, but they were gone by seven. So, um, it was nice. We, we dodged what is usually, you know, uh, every time a Muirfield, a tournament's played at Muirfield, we got to dodge some bad weather. So hopefully we don't have to do that this week. What, uh, what right now I'm going to put the over under on the number of milkshake you've had at three. Am I close? Oh, no, no, no. They, they were not, uh, the first milkshakes that were given to the players was Morikawa. Ooh. Um, they, they they were saving that for Memorial. So no players had shakes that we know of. We certainly didn't see any of the players with milkshakes all week long. Ooh, um, disappointing. Granted, we can't, we can't go into the locker room, but, yeah. uh, we could see the locker room and I, <laughs> I didn't see one person coming. I didn't see a shake all week long until Morikawa brought it out, uh, for the press conference. So, uh, but now they're going to be out in force. They'll, they're, they're going to start making them this week, uh, Starting, uh, well, the players probably got them today because they can be on the golf course, not on the golf course, but they can use the practice facilities on Monday while they prepare the golf course for the tournament. Now, is everybody getting retested today or have they been retested since the tour this week is not moving? I would assume that players who are arriving and are going to be playing this week um, for the uh, for Memorial, who did not play last week, obviously they're getting tested. But the players who played last week, do they get tested again? Oh yeah, they're getting everybody's getting tested Good. here Monday and Tuesday. Um, and caddies will be tested Monday and Tuesday. Um, and so last week we only had those three players who had already tested positive, and we learned that hey, you know, some dead coronavirus cells can still test positive. Um, people can still test positive up to six weeks after they've had it and got rid of it. Um, that's just the nature of this virus. But, uh, so Nick Watney, Denny McCarthy, and I'm blanking on the third person. Um, they played together, uh, the first two rounds. Um, and, uh, right now, nobody that has tested positive, nobody else tested positive last week. That includes the caddies. So they were over 571. If you take away those that's three great. players. So, um, hopefully there'll be the same thing going forward this week. Okay. Well, it's, uh, that, that's what we hope for. I don't think that we fully expect it to happen. We aspire to have that happen, but, um, it's looking more and more. And I have the feeling more and more, Steve, that, and I bet you do too, that, um, colonial was going to end up being the anomaly that we ended up with an, with a zero. Um, it's great to hear that, that there was a zero again, but I think that we're starting to get conditioned to hearing that a couple people, or caddies, or some people are going to have to withdraw or remove themselves from the bubble, um, either from testing positive or in order to be cautious, which is which is always a good thing right now. Um, we seem to be getting conditioned to that. We should also, I think, start to be getting conditioned to seeing Colin Morikawa's name near the top of the leaderboard, because he's really, really good. Do, do we know exactly at this point, Steve, how good Colin Morikawa really is? Well, he's got two wins and two second places, and... 23 starts on tour. Um, that, that's pretty good. That's good. Um, he made the cut. He, he made the cut. In, oh, in, uh, 
his first 22 tournaments. So that's in 24 tournaments, two wins, two seconds. Um, he's one of the best ball strikers already. And and that's not from my eyes and not from what I read. That's what, from what I hear from the other players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were watching him. He, he hit the flagstick on four with a six iron in the final round. And we thought that was phenomenal. On the very next hole, we were Jimmy Johnson, who was Justin Thomas's caddy, had come over to the side because they didn't walk. He didn't want to walk all the way back to the sixth to the to the sixth tee. But he said, "How was that Morikawa shot? Five wood from two thirty something to four feet to the left of the pin with the water on the you know right next to him." Mm-hmm. And so on consecutive, you know, in two holes, he nearly has an ace from over 200 yards and nearly, you know, he's got four feet for eagle from another 235 yards. So, and then he hit it tight again on 14. He he hit driver on 14 to 15 feet. Um, He's just an outstanding, he's got a great makeup on his head too. Um, He didn't uh, let Colonial bother him when he missed that three-footer for par, uh, you know, uh, in the playoff hole and lost the playoff to Daniel Berger. He didn't let the, his first miss cut at the Travelers Championship bother him. He comes right back and wins his next start. Um, he hits a lot of fairways. He hits a lot of greens. And um, he gives himself a lot of chances. So he's uh, he's very good. Right now he's got the lead in the trumpet. You know, those the trio of, of superstars that came out at the same time. You know, Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf. All three of them have wins, and now only one of them has two wins. But it's interesting. Every time you know somebody does something special, often to the often the distance. Oh, wait a minute, we got to bring up Tiger. <laughs> so Morikawa, Morikawa now has more wins than missed cuts. But the only other player, the only the last player to do that was Tiger who had 43 wins before he missed his second cut on tour. Um, so that's, if you ever, if you yeah. ever still need convincing that Tiger Woods is miles ahead of everyone else, as far as it's his generation, here's a guy who Cole Markow is off to a great start. 24 starts, two wins, two seconds. He starts his career with 22 made cuts, misses his first cut, wins the next tournament. So he's got two wins and one cut. So you look up, when's the last that happened? Oh, yeah, Tiger. Tiger, 43 wins yeah. before he missed his second cut. That's, that's pretty good. It's just but, stupid. Uh, Mark, yeah, when, when people bring up stuff like that, and I hate to interrupt you, but when people bring up the no. various – it's impressive. I mean, it's nothing to take away from yeah. what Morikawa has done. It's just we, we lose sight of the accomplishments that, that Tiger was able to achieve, and that one is a perfect example. It's, it's a great thing what Colin's doing. Um, the stats also back up what Jimmy Johnson and your eyes tell you. Colin Morikawa is ranked number one on the PGA Tour in strokes gained approach. And among the stats, other than the money and FedEx Cup points and world rankings that guys want to be number one in, that is right near the top of the list. If you're number one in strokes gained approach, that means you're getting more of an advantage from the fairway um, than other players. And that means you're getting more birdie looks. You're staying out of trouble, so your scoring average is going to be in good shape. Um, Colin is number one, and number two is Justin Thomas. So maybe it was totally fitting on Jack Nicholas's golf course that those guys do that. 
The other one that I'll feed you, Steve, is when Colin woke up this morning, he is now up to, and it's just, it's amazing how fast it's happened. He's now up to number 13 in the world, one ahead of Tiger Woods, who we'll talk mm-hmm. about Tiger being in the field a little bit here in, in just a minute, but it's, did, did we overlook in some ways maybe, and, and I realize that you and I, it's like our beat is not necessarily amateur golf and collegiate golf. We're aware of, of some of the people when they start coming up because people whisper about it, but Matthew Wolf with the power and that funky golf swing got a lot of attention. And obviously he wins the NCAAs and Victor Hovland doing what he did as low am at the masters and low am last year at Pebble beach at the U S open. Um, they coming out that we got a lot of attention on them and there is more just in the background, as you alluded to just, just making a lot of cuts, making a lot of checks three or four years from now, which one do you think, do you think it's more from, I mean, what we're seeing so far, who's going to be, the higher-ranked, more accomplished of the group? Well, he's the most consistent right now. Um, I'm, I'm still, it still boggles my mind. Now, granted, Colin Morikawa still has a lot of things to work on. He's not very long. He's not one of the longest players out there. He never will be unless he tries to chase distance. Mm-hmm. But he's, uh, he has to work on his putting. He's had some sporadic moments with his putting. So it's not as if Colin doesn't need to work, and he knows that, and he will work. Yes, But to me, it, it boggles my mind that Victor Hovland has self-described himself as one of the worst chippers in the game. Um, and even when he won in Puerto Rico, he chunked a couple of chips. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he has accomplished what he's already accomplished, he's the first Norwegian to get cracked the top 50 in the world rankings. What he has achieved without being very good at chipping, I mean, that is scary. So I, if you... Force me to pick one of those three guys who would be the best one in five years. I still am just very slightly have Victor Hovland ahead of Colin. And I'll tell you one thing, though, and, and I said this earlier this week as we were talking to some other uh, my colleagues and some other players. I still think it's one third, one third, and one third. If you ask the PGA Tour players who have seen the three guys the most, one third would say Morikawa would be the best player in five years. One third would say Hovland. One third would say Wolf. So Wolf is the most explosive. He's the longest of the three yes. by far. But Victor is not short by any means. Victor's got some length too. All three of them, I would say Morikawa has the best mental makeup, but very slightly if there is a difference over Hovland. Matthew Wolf has, has admitted to himself that he's got to really work on that, and hopefully he will put that work in. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to watch those three. Um, and uh, it's cause they, I don't think they're going anywhere. No, they're clearly not. Hovland has played all five of the restarted PGA Tour events, the Charles Schwab Challenge, the RBC Heritage, the Travelers, Rocket Mortgage Classic, and the Workday Charity. He has yet to shoot an overpower round in any of those. T23, T21, T11, T12, solo third last week um, at 15 under par. He... Hits a ton of fairways for a guy who hits it sneaky long. He's about 300, 305 off the tee. He's he's not short, as you mentioned. He is much more accurate than most of the guys who are really pumping it out there. And he is a very steady, very good iron player. He's got a good head on his shoulders. And when I talked with him very briefly when he was at Travelers, uh, when he came in for some media, it's interesting how much more comfortable he said he starts to feel once he's seen a golf course a couple times. He's made he was making his second trip, 
to travelers. He's going to start to see some of these golf courses again. Um, and that's going to help out his putting and short game. I would think just if nothing else, psychologically, the comfort that you get making a return trip to, to a golf course. Um, Justin Thomas was three up with three holes to play and looked really, really good. He had trouble at the start. Hovland and Morikawa got ahead of him. He reels him in. He's got the lead. We think, okay, great comeback. You can start writing your lead for Golf Week and GolfWeek.com story. And then it falls apart. What, what's Justin Thomas thinking of on Sunday night and now Monday morning as we're recording this? What, what's going through his head? Well, I, 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 it, what's going through his head is a three-shot lead with three to play. Um, as he said afterwards, it, it, it's just it, it's unforgivable. You just can't do that. Um, now, granted, there were three pretty tough holes. Um, and the, on 16, you know, he's just taken a three-shot lead. He's just eagled 15, which was, by the way, his 10th consecutive one-putt green. Um, because I think what people forget is, the putt he made for par on six when he hit a great flop shot going over the green on six and he had a great flop shot to about eight, nine feet. But luckily it was below the hole, but he buried that. That was big. It didn't seem that his alarm clock didn't go off until about eight, the eighth hole when he knocked an eight iron to two feet. Because then after that, he knocked it to a foot on nine, knocked in a 10, really good 10 footer on 10, knocks it to two feet on 11. You know, after he laid up on 11, so he had four birdies in a row. And then he made a textbook birdie on 14 when he hit eight iron off the tee, and then he hit wedged to five feet, made the putt, and then he eagles 15. He had it all going. But the last thing you want to do on 16 is go left into the water on 16, the par three. And he pushed it just a hair, and it was a gnarly rough. And, he, he you know, again, he barely missed the, the par putt on 16. He had a good look on 17. He knocked it to about 14, 15 feet. Didn't hit a very good putt. Came just short. And then 18, he drove it. Into some really gnarly rough. Had to lay up. Um, and knocked it about 10 feet above the hole. And just missed that one. So, you know, he, he says it's unforgivable that he blew a three-shot lead, even though with three holes to play. But he had a 10-footer that burned the edge to win on, on the 72nd hole. Drops in a bomb, 50-footer, 50 50 10 feet of break. Great putt. On the first extra playoff hole, watches Morikawa cap him from 25 feet. On the second playoff hole, he has about a 10-footer again, 9-10-footer again to win it, burns the edge again. And then he drove it right behind a tree. Um, that thing could have bounced a foot to the right, bounced a foot to the left, and so it went right behind the tree, and he was dying. So um, he's going to rule the day he's gonna and i think it's over with if it's lingering right now it'll be gone by tuesday um first of all he knows he's got to get his brain to acclimate to the new golf course they're gonna see even though it's still murfield village golf club and he knows that 18 of the top 20 players in the world are going to be in the field nine of the top 10 it's going to be the best field of the year by far and so he's got to get his brain in the right place, and he will. He's done this. I don't think he'll be haunted at all with this. But uh, he'll look back to the bogey on 16, the bogey on 18. You know, um, you know, with a three wood in his hand on 18, he should be hitting the fairway. He didn't. He got a bad lie. 
And, you know, what are you going to do when you make a 50-foot bomb on the first playoff hole and that doesn't win for you? You burn the edge on the second playoff hole, so you got to go to the third playoff hole and you lose it. So, um, Justin Thomas, he moved up to number three in the world, um, and he deservedly, he deserves to be the number three player in the world. So, um, I think he'll bounce back. I mean, and I think he'll bounce back quickly. Um, and uh, so, I'm not worried about at all about uh, Justin Thomas trying to get over this one. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Winds, Steven Ruiz and Chris Corman. I know people are like just assuming that this is an upgrade at the quarterback position, but I don't think we could say that for a fact. I'd say it's, it's a downgrade. He never really had game-to-game impact just coming off the edge and destroying people that we thought when we saw his athleticism in college and at the combine. And- the Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Listen and subscribe to The Counter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Yeah, I, I agree. You know what? I think it's one of those things where we, um, people on the outside and people who are listening to this who, who play golf recreationally, we'd be chapped about this one for days. You'd be whining if, if we were going to offices and talking at water coolers. This, this is when you tell your friends, like, I lost a match to this guy and this is what happened and you'd be really pissed. Um, this is what these guys do for a living, and they realize that over the course of a season and certainly over the course of a career, um, this stuff is going to happen to you on the bad side, and sometimes they're going to catch a break. You know, I mean, just ask Daniel Berger. Like, did he, does he in his mind think he deserved the win when Colin Morikawa misses a three footer in a playoff? He's going to say, Yeah, I shot the lowest score, and he's right. But at the same time, like, he caught some luck there, and I think he'd be the first person to admit it. Justin Thomas, in this case, didn't get the luck to go with him. As you said, if that ball gets swept up and stops two feet short or goes two feet past that tree, this is a totally different golf tournament, you know? And the fact that Morikawa won it, yeah, he, he did. And good for him. Justin Thomas, I think, is is playing at a very high level. Um, the fact that he missed the cut at Travelers, took some time off, uh, says he, he worked on his putting with his dad, getting back to some fundamental stuff. He drove the ball beautifully. Um, you know, we're going to remember a couple of those drives down the stretch on 18 that got loose and went off to the right with the three wood. But by and large, he, he was solid off the tee. He putted better. Um, and yeah, it's, it's going to be, it'll be really interesting to see, but I'm also expecting big things from him this week. Tiger Woods coming back finally, um, to the scene, making his PGA tour restart debut, what the hell are we supposed to think about Tiger Woods coming back? Is there, there there's no way that we can justifiably, with with any like sort of you know logic to it, figure out or, or say like what what we should expect? But I'm going to ask you anyways. What what do you expect from Tiger Woods this week? Well, I expect to, we'll see him on the weekend. Um, this course is going to be hard, very hard. Um, it might be one notch below a U.S. Open, and those courses he, he always is able to play those courses. Um, the harder the course, the better his chances are. Now, again, the last time he <laughs> played a PGA Tour event was five months ago, February 16th. He finished 68th. That was dead last at the Genesis Invitational. And he'd only played one time before that this year at the at Torrey Pines in the Farmer's Insurance. And he took T9. Um, 
I'm not worried about the long break because, you know, after a dismal summer last summer, and then he has a, another knee surgery, and he takes two and a half to three months off, and he goes and wins Zozo. So, and again, it's the type of golf course. Zozo is sort of the top of the sort of the type of golf course where you can't hit driver every hole. You got to plot your way around. You're going to have to plot your way around Muirfield this week. You're just going to have to because the last time they cut the rough was last Monday. Was Monday mm-hmm. a week ago? And they top dressed it on Monday, and they didn't cut it again last week during the workday charity open. They ain't cutting it today. And right now they're working on the golf course. I do know what they're cutting. They're cutting the fairways, and they're going to get those fairways running as fast as they can and as firm as they can. They're cutting the greens, and they are going to be sucking water out of those greens with the sub air. And, you know, and so, you know, get as much of the moisture out of those greens as they can. It's going to help that they're going to have three straight days of nothing but sun. And they're, those green speeds are going to go from 11, which they ran workday, and they're going to go up to 13, 13 and a half, and they might touch 14 uh, for the memorial. Um, what would Jack you, what would you say? Let, let me just interrupt you for a second. What, what would you say to people who, because you know we're going to hear this. Last time we saw Tiger Woods peg it up was in the match two with um, Phil Mickelson, and Tiger looked great. People are going to say, mm-hmm. like, oh, he looked awesome a couple months ago playing in the rain you know, at medalist, that's that's the kind of golf we should see. It's not, right? Like we we can't hold him to to striping every fairway on a big wide open Florida golf course and s- expecting to see exactly that when we're at Millfield, correct? Oh god, no way. I mean, first of all, they do have ample sized fairways here. Mm-hmm. They are ample sized. Jack is always his golf course, his best golf course is always second shot golf courses. Um, he gives you uh, he gives you some breathers off the tees. Doesn't mean they're easy tee shots, but the fairways are wide. Then you start getting into narrow spaces as you hit your approach shots. That rough is going to be really, really brutal. I can't remember the, the last rough that he would have seen that Tiger would have played from, and that would be a question for him tomorrow on Tuesday when he does his press conference. Is when's the last time he played for out of rough? Because he certainly didn't play out of rough at the medalist mm-hmm. during the uh, during the match because there was no rough. Yeah, there was some, but not this. I mean, we, it started getting gnarly, real, real gnarly on Saturday and Sunday at the workday. And again, now you're going to have five more days, four more days of growth. And so it's not only just going to be tall, it's going to be thick and it's going to be gnarly. And that's around the greens as well. Um but I still think Tiger knows that he doesn't have to hit driver. If he's got his three-wood going, his five-wood going, or his long irons, he can plot his way around this golf course because he's still one of the best iron players alive. And he will be for as long as he's healthy. And we all presume that he's healthy. Um, I think body-wise, the break has been good for him because he hasn't beaten up his body. Um, but you can't compare. Yes, it was nice to see Tiger hit every fairway during the match against Phil with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady on, looking on. But, mm-hmm. you know, that was loosey-goosey stuff. You know, this ain't going to be loosey-goosey stuff. No. Um, but, uh, you know, he hasn't hit – he hasn't put it – maybe he can get his greens. He probably was getting his greens in his backyard up to 14, 15 on the stem. 
Um, but again, that's not in competition. Now he's yeah. going to be in competition. So I still think, though, I, I'd be surprised if if he misses the cut. I'd be surprised if he doesn't if he plays miserably because I just think the fact that this golf course is going to be one where you have to work your way around it, where par is going to be a good score on every single hole, including the four par fives. And I think the harder, the better for him and his chances um, because he's still such a great iron player. So, but again, we don't know what to do. We we really don't. Um, But, uh, let me At ask least. you another. Let me ask you another unfair question. So I would not anticipate that Tiger's going to be going up to the 3M Open in Minnesota a week, the week after Memorial. But then we've got a World Golf Championship, the FedEx St. Jude, a TPC Southwind in Memphis. Um, they're going to play that the last couple of days of July and the very beginning of August, and then you go right into the PGA Championship. Does he go? Would you anticipate to Memphis and try and play two in a row? Um, basically play this week off WGC and then PGA championship. Do you think that's going to be the schedule we're going to get? I think it's 50, 50 right now. If he misses the cut here, that'll make it 75, 25 that he'll play. Um, yeah, that he would play WGC. Um, I'm not sure if it's as big a deal as some people have made it out to be to go from the hot summer of Memphis to the cooler temps of San Francisco. I think that the body would, would adapt in a day, day and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that's that big of a concern for him. We just don't know how many reps he wants to do. Now, you know, he has told us over and over, guys, I'm going to play a lot less. Now, does that mean a lot, lot, lot less? No. So if everything, if, if the year does not get interrupted, I guarantee you he'll, he's playing this week. He's going to play the PGA Championship. He's going to play the U.S. Open. He's going to play the Masters. He's going to play the Bahamas. You can lock those in. That's five tournaments. Now, he's definitely going to play at least one of the FedEx Cup events, either the first one or the second one. And if he makes it to the Tour Championship, that would be another one. So now mm-hmm. we're up to seven. He's got his Ozo Championship to defend, but I don't think he would go and defend if it's going to be in Japan. But we're hearing rumors that they're going to move it domestically. So I would be, I think he'd be hard pressed not to defend his Zozo championship uh, with the new sponsor if it's moved into the United States. So that would be eight. And I'm not counting the WGC. So if he plays the WGC, that would be nine. Now, nine over the last six months, people would say, well, wow, he can do that. Well, he doesn't want to do that anymore. So again, if it, the season does not get interrupted, and we are able to get through the rest of this year. I think at most he would play nine. Um, and if he does play nine, then the WGC would be one of them. But again, it's like finding where's Waldo, you know, trying to figure out what Tiger's schedule is. It's not easy, but uh, well, I think we'll it's, see. yeah, I mean, we, we know he obviously wants to play the majors. Uh, if, if Harding Park and if the PGA Championship is being played, he's going to be there. He's not going to be at Wyndham the following week in Greensboro. There, there is no way that he's playing that. Um, and I agree. I think that he has played TPC Boston a bunch of times before. Um, the middle of August, it'll be warm over there. Um, going back to Olympia Fields this year for the BMW Championship and then to East Lake, three rounds in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Woods right now, 
with the minimal amount of golf that he has played, is ranked number 41 in the FedEx Cup playoffs. I don't usually pay attention to that stuff, but if he's only going to play in a few events, um, for those of you scoring at home, he's in the field this week. Um, you know, we, we all hope, just like we all do, that, that he makes the cut, make it exciting, all that kind of stuff. He needs to play some golf a little bit in order to make sure that, you know, if he wants, if East Lake is a priority for him, and I don't know that it is or it isn't. At this point, he's won a FedEx Cup. Um, he's won that championship. Um, you know, it's, I, I think, as you're sort of alluding to, if, if for, for me, the way I read between the lines here, he's thinking long term, not just this year, but like the next two, three, five years. How long does he want to keep out there and playing? And the schedule that you're talking about, maybe six or seven events, eight at the most, scheduled out with, with a lot of separation means we're looking past 2020. We're looking past the current situation and thinking, I, you know, skipping a couple of events, maybe disappointing some fans, maybe not playing an event that he otherwise might play. But if that keeps him healthy going into 2021, 2022 with that kind of philosophy and so on, I'm fine with that. But it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how much I also agree with with what you're saying. You know him better than I do that if he does miss the cut, if he doesn't play well, then he's going to want the reps. In which case then he's going to show up in Memphis and he'll do the two in a row with the PGA and then we'll see what we get from him in the PGA Championship. One last thing before I let you go, um we you said that they're going to get the fairways to run quicker. You said that the rough is is going to be growing. You're thinking it to be thicker. Green's getting faster. For people who are watching this weekend, watching maybe on Thursday and Friday, how stark a difference do you anticipate we're going to have from the golf course where Justin Thomas and Colin Morikawa, those guys, Hovland, were making a lot of birdies? Are, are we now looking at like a, a 7, 8 under par kind of winner rather than like the 19, 20 under par winner? Well, uh, again, it depends. Obviously, it depends if, if they get rain. And, you know, I think uh, the memorial not getting rain is a very rare thing. <laughs> um, and if they don't get any wind, but um, if you, if they get wind and no rain, I think five under might win the tournament. Um, that you, what you're going to see is, you know, the players had their memory banks were jarred. The players that had played at memorial more than once, twice, three times in their careers, uh, their memory banks were jarred at some of the speed of the putts at, at uh, during the workday. Mm -hmm. They also were they, they also couldn't recall on their memory because some of the putts they'd never seen before, because they were able because the greens were slower and they were softer. They were able to put pin new pin places Different that spots. have never been used before. Yep. Um, and now they're running. Um, I've seen some people say, well, maybe the pin placements will be easier. No, they're not going to be easy because the greens are going to be firmer and they're going to be running 13 and a half, 14. I would rather have a slow putt on 11 with two feet of break than have a putt of the same distance with one foot of break when they're running 13, 13 and 13 and a half and 14. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to be firmer. So they're not, we're not going to be seeing balls checking as quickly as we did during the workday. Um, and a lot of people say, well, that can't be that much of a difference between 11 and 11 and a half on the stamp and 13, 13 and a half. Yeah. Well, the pros tell you it's, there's a, a major difference. That's an extra two feet of speed and two pet, you know, two feet more that it will run out. And so they're going to be much more conservative. Um, 
And if the fairways do get firmer and they do get quicker, they're going to be much more conservative off the tees as well. Um, Bryson DeChambeau, that was interesting. I was, I was just going to ask you, so what does that mean for Bryson? Well, it's interesting. We, uh, you know, one of the joys of, and this was only the second time because I did it at Hilton. This, last week was my second golf tournament. And there is a bit of a joy when there are no fans. And though I'd rather there be fans, mm. don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. there's a bit of a joy because one thing, I would see things that I've never seen before. And this was my 14th trip to Muirfield. This is my 14th year to Muirfield. And it took me until this time, I'm walking up to the 11th tee, and I looked to my left, and I said, what in the world is that? Oh, that's the 14th fairway. Because I'd always been inside the ropes, inside the fan, so I'd never had seen the 14th fairway from the 11th tee box. I didn't know it was that close. If I did, I would have been making, I would have been cutting over a lot more often <laughs> than I used to. Um, I saw right behind the 16th tee box. I got right behind that. And when there's no framing on that golf hole, that great par three, no, not a great part, but that par three, when there's no framing, there's no boxes, it looks like it's 300 yards away. Um, and there's certain subtleties, but as you, we walked around the golf course, we started, do you think Bryson can hit driver here? Well, yeah, there's a lot of space on the right side of one where he can hit driver and he can go from there. Two, I don't think he's one hit driver because it gets really narrow as you get towards the fair, towards the green. Three, there's no way he's going to hit driver um, on three because it just makes absolutely no sense. Um, four, no. Five, what we saw on five from what uh, Phil Mickelson did and Bubba Watson did is they were taking it down the house line. And Phil caught a... Um, he hit it and it flew it 325 and then hit the cart path and he had 114 yards to the par five fifth. That's, you know, that's huge. So Bryson could be able to do that. Six, there's room on the right side, but not much. Seven, there's a lot of room on the right. I, I, we're looking for places where yeah. he could miss. Yeah. Um, nine, it doesn't really hold, make a lot of sense. Um, and to go quickly, uh, 11 doesn't make a lot of sense. 13 doesn't make a lot of sense to hit driver or hit it as long as you want. 15, no. 16, I mean, 17, there is so much space on 17, so I would expect he could break out the Kraken on 17 and 18, no. But the thing with him is, here's another thing that he's got. To, one, the rough is going to be much more difficult than he's already than he's faced yeah. since he's with his new body. Yep. And two, these are true forests. Now, 10, he can blast it on 10. There isn't a forest on the right side of 10. He can blast it up on 10 where, you know, Justin Thomas got stymied behind that tree, but there's not a whole lot of trees. But there are thick trees up, up and down 11, yeah. uh, you know, down the right side of 13, up and down 15. Um, so it'll be interesting. But then again, as one, as I was thinking and as one pro affirmed it, he can overpower a golf course with his three wood. He can overpower a golf course with his five wood. <laughs> you know, Patrick Reed played with him at Rocket Mortgage, and he said, yes, it's impressive watching him hit the driver and how straight he can hit the driver in 360 and 350, and it goes right down the gut. It hits the fairway. But don't forget, he can also feather in a five wood from 275. He can also hit a nine iron with ease from 180. He can hit an 8-iron 210 without really going after it. 
that's a big advantage as well. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't think we'll see as many drivers, but then again, he said he didn't think he was going to hit that many drivers at, at Hilton Head, and he hit six each round at least. Um, and maybe he'll he'll keep doing what he's doing because it's you know it's gotten him a win and top he's, eight finishes. Yeah, he's going so. to adapt. You know, the, he's going to take a look. I'm sure he knows the golf course already. I'm sure he's got a plan. He'll adapt the plan. And as you're saying, if if you can hit three wood three ten and dial in the accuracy and, and your dispersion pattern gets tighter and you're hitting more fairways with that. It's it's a different way of playing it. And um, to me, Steve, it's the first real look we're going to get at how his new game um, is going to translate to major championship golf. You've said it a couple times in this podcast that this is a half a click below, say, a U.S. Open. Well, okay, we're now you know about two months, two and a half months out, hopefully, from heading over to Wingfoot, and that's what you're going to get at the foot. It is is mm-hmm. big trees, narrow fairways. They're going to be running real firm. Um, the greens, I think, will be they'll have to work on it to get them to the U.S. Open speeds we want because late September, generally, we're cooling down here in the Northeast. You're talking days in the 70s. Um, evenings can get chilly. You could be in the 40s when the sun goes down. High 40s that time of year is not uncalled for. So I would think the greens could soften, but how this power game um, that I saw him at Travelers and it was just it was unbelievable to see the lines that he was taking and where he was going uh, to to think what we're going to get and how much he's he's going to be committed to this and obviously I think he is one hundred percent committed to this so uh, I can't wait to see it Steve be safe out there in Ohio thanks very much for coming up on the Four Press anytime David anytime. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.